0: This Week in Startups is brought to you by Walker Corporate Law, a boutique law firm specializing in the representation of entrepreneurs. Visit them at walkercorporatelaw.com. LinkedIn, a business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. Go to linkedin.com slash twist and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. And 8sleep the first bed engineered to improve your sleep through dynamic cooling and heating, detailed sleep tracking, and more. Try the pod for free for 100 days at 8sleep.com slash twist. Apply for the next Launch Accelerator cohort. Applications are due October 14th. Learn more and apply at launchaccelerator.co. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis. I'm an angel investor here in the Silicon Valley. I invest in... Uh I don't know, this year, 2019, 80 companies. Pretty crazy. We got an investment company of 15. It's called Launch. You can visit launch.co and see all the different things we do. We got an accelerator. We've got the syndicate.com. And once in a while, I'll have other investors on to explain their thesis on how they invest. Some folks invest by stage. I happen to be one of them. I invest in companies when they have three or four people. That's called kind of the seed stage. And then maybe I'll participate in the Series A when they're growing and they're at three or four million in revenue. Other people do mid-stage, Series B and Series C financings. We count those up like letters, A, B, C, D, E, all the way to maybe an IPO. Uh, And there is no specific science to that. It's just sequential lettering. And then there's some people who pick a vertical to work in. You may have seen a bunch of crypto, dipshits.com, starting crypto funds. You may see people do Google Glass. There was a Google Glass, if you remember, that failed Google product or product that went away. Sometimes people will invest in a country, a region. So you'll have people who invest in a region. But for the first time, I was surfing around the Twitter, and I saw that my next guest had decided to go after a vertical that VCs specifically have in their documents that they're not allowed to go after. Let that sink in for a second. VCs have clauses in their agreements with their LPs. So VCs are venture capitalists. They invest money in startups. They have investors in their VC fund, venture capital fund. Those are called LPs, limited partners. Fancy term for somebody with a lot of money who wants to triple it. That's it. Rich person, rich endowment, retirement fund. They want to triple their money, cash on cash, instead of doubling it like the stock market does. And one of the things that those LPs do in order to protect themselves is they have a vice clause in their documents. They don't want to give a venture capitalist a bunch of money and then have blowback on them when they do gambling, porn, drugs, anything that would be considered near the line of embarrassing. And it's not really a morality clause as such. It's more we just don't want to deal with nonsense. We don't want to deal with blowback. We don't want to deal with drama. Stick to your knitting, do software. What that means is there's a big white space. Gambling, uh, which has a very uh, dark kind of uh, interpretation by the venture community, also known as wagering, is very permissible in other countries. When you go to Sydney, no, it's just there, every bar has a VIP lounge. And the VIP lounge has a bunch of uh, slot machines. You can gamble. Anybody who wants to gamble anytime can do that. Here we kind of leave gambling to like casinos. And um, then we look at drug culture. Obviously, some places allow cannabis, psilocybin, other things. VCs don't want to deal with this. It just creates too much drama. But Catherine Dockery. Dockery, did I get it right? Yes, you got it right. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. You are the founding partner of Wait For It. Vice Ventures. Okay, you heard my little preamble. Um, How did you come up with the idea to start a fund based on Vice and why?
1: Yeah, so I came up with the idea when I was interviewing for a new role, actually. Uh, I was working at Walmart on the M&A team there. And basically, all of these venture capital firms asked me to pitch a business. So I pitched this business that I personally invested in, Bev. Um, and all these fund managers were like, you know, Catherine, we love Bev. We love the company. We love the branding. We love what they're doing. Um, unfortunately, we're not allowed to invest. And what
0: did what did Bev sell?
1: Uh, Bev sells a, a canned rosé business. So literally,
0: VCs were not allowed to sell rosé all day. They yes. could drink rosé all day, but they couldn't invest.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: This, to me, seems a bit hypocritical because literally two-thirds of the venture community is high AF. <laughs> <laughs> At Burning Man for seven days straight. We'll put that <laughs> aside. They, The venture firms would not touch Rosé.
1: Yep. They would not touch Rosé. But again, I'm saying they love the founder. They love everything about the business.
0: But because of their clauses.
1: They weren't allowed to invest. Is
0: there a specific name for that clause? I a call vice it, clause. It is a vice clause. Yep. All right. So you realize they can't invest in something as legal and acceptable as alcohol. Yep. And you decide you want to start a fund based on that.
1: And then I tried to understand what the vice clause actually meant
0: okay. and what it precluded. And what does it preclude?
1: Um, we got alcohol, cannabis, nicotine, sex tech, online gambling, esports. Some even, even preclude pork, like the meat pork from Sharia law. Okay.
0: So, playing video games
1: while drinking rosé
0: on an edible or smoking a doobie is... <laughs> yeah. Completely legal. Perhaps even advisable on a Friday night. I'm just, you make your own decisions here. <laughs> Sounds like a lit Friday to me. A little rose in a little age of empires. I might be down for that. You're saying VCs can't touch it? Nope. Because of the vice clause? Because of the vice clause. Esports? Esports.
1: Esports. Some esports. That's bonkers. It's bananas. It's totally out of this world crazy. And has that changed as. Cannabis has become legal. So a lot of VCs um, have started putting up um, vehicles together that basically ignore their advice clause.
0: Got it. So they're doing little sidecars. Yes. That say, hey, we might want to touch cannabis. If you're down with that, uh, if you're okay with it, you can invest in this side fund or you can do the main fund if you're not. Yep. So when you went out to raise this fund, what was the what was your
1: experience? um I had a lot of very positive experience, actually, yeah, yeah, people are like we totally understand this, this is needed in the market, um, we 'd love to have a fund that invests in things that other people can 't invest in. Um, we yeah. think that you can do this in a harm reduction way harm it's-
0: reduction way, okay, yeah, unpack that. what does that mean harm reduction way
1: so harm reduction, so basically, the thesis is that the future of vices, I think kind of boils down to harm reduction. Hmm. Um, so like, like, for example, like Juul was a harm reduction for combustible cigarettes. Right. Yeah.
0: And do you buy that? Is it harm reduction or did they get that right or wrong?
1: I think they got that right. There's over 6,000 chemicals in combustible cigarette of that 68%, 60 of them are um, carcinogenic. Got it. And then in an actual, there's 11 chemicals in Juul.
0: 11. Mm Mm-hmm. But- they did make it pineapple flavor and did some <laughs> yeah. advertising that was semi-targeted towards kids, it seems. <laughs> so perhaps they would do some things differently. Yeah. And I guess your thesis would be as an investor, you might be able to help them to understand harm reduction versus Yeah. Um yeah, getting exactly. kids addicted to it. Exactly. What could they have done better with the kid thing? Should that have been a prescription, Jewel? I always thought it should have been a prescription. Like you go to your doctor, like you get the nicotine patches. Should it have been a prescription in your mind?
1: I don't think it should have been a prescription. No? No. I think that... How do you keep
0: kids off it? Like, Something like one in three kids is using these things.
1: I think that they could have had better advertising, better marketing.
0: Oh, okay. Um, How?
1: Um, not necessarily have like lemon flavored, like guppy drops or something.
0: So skip the cotton candy.
1: Yes. And the, Rainbow the, sherbet the flavor. The fairy flavored.
0: Yeah. I saw that original marketing and it was like, looked like a Benetton ad. Yeah. With like... Kind of like aspirationally teenager, like barely in their teens, like 18 or 19 years old. Yeah. Which is what a high school kid wants to be. They want to be 18 or 19. Like, that's kind of the aspiration. It's like, you don't want to be old, but you want to be able to buy alcohol to go to college. Yeah. Um, And... What was it? You got Mark Andreessen involved in this. How, yes. how did you loop Mark Andreessen into this? He's one of the most famous uh, investors in Silicon Valley today.
1: I sent him a cold email.
0: I got it. Okay, so people are having a hard time raising funds. You sent Mark Andreessen a cold email, and he put in fifty or a hundred grand.
1: He put in a nice amount of money.
0: Nice amount of money. And he has his own fund, so he was like, "I want." Did he, Did you meet with him? Yes. Okay, so you went to meet him. And what was his take on what you were doing? I'm curious.
1: He was like, I think this is really clever and I think this is needed. And he basically said that the vice clause ran much deeper than I even knew.
0: Really? Yeah. What What else is in the vice clause that we don't, vice that we don't know? Like, is there some other... And why do you think it's there? I, I thought it was for embarrassing kind of things and blowback. What do you think it's there for? Did you do any research on that? Of like where yeah. it came from? The so I think thing it comes
1: it? down to like who to, like, gets to decide what vice is. So a lot of vice clauses actually... Um, they start, basically, um, really? from church from church organizations or religious organizations. Uh, and they really? kind of get to decide who like what vice is and what vice isn't.
0: Got it. Um, all right. When we get back from this quick break, I want to talk about how much did you raise for this and then how are you picking companies? Because once you put out a tweet, hey, I'm in Vice Tech, uh, or I've got a Vice... I would think you would get a lot of interesting emails. When we get <laughs> yeah. back, I want to hear some of those crazy emails yeah. on this Week in show. Walker Corporate Law. You've been there with me since the beginning. Thank you, Scott Walker. Walker Corporate Law is a boutique law firm that specializes in the representation of entrepreneurs and founders. And their lawyers have 10 to 20 years of experience. And there are no junior associates getting on-the-job training. They offer all kinds of great services that you would, you know, normally think about when you're starting a company. But they also do things like mergers and acquisitions, licensing agreements, and your privacy policy and your terms of service. You want to work with Scott Walker and his team at Walker Corporate Law because they encourage fixed fees. In other words, they tell you, hey, you want to do this? It's going to cost X. You want to do that? It's going to cost Y. And you don't have to get that sticker shock when you get your bill from your attorney at the end of the month. No, Scott Walker does not want to do all that billable hours nonsense and then get you... Uh, some inefficient product. No, he wants it to be efficient. He wants to get done quick and tight and do it right. So email my pal Scott Walker at Scott at Walker Corporate Law. Scott at Walker Corporate Law. Make sure you tell him Jason sent you. Or you can visit him at walkercorporatelaw.com. His number, 415-979-9998. 415-979-9998. How cool is that that he puts his phone number and his email right out there for you to email him at Scott at Walker CorporateLaw.com. Thanks again, Scott, for supporting This Week in Startups. You're the longest running sponsor, I think, along with Squarespace. So I really appreciate that. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Can I interest you in some nicotine, cannabis, alcohol, gambling, psychedelics, or sex toys? If so, you've come to the right place. Today, my <laughs> guest is Catherine Dockery. And she is with Vice Ventures, Vice underscore Ventures. Um, and she's raised a fund. Is it disclosed how much it
1: is? Um, around $25 million.
0: So you got $25 million to put to work. That's a big number. In Vice-related startups, when you say you're an investor, and you weren't an investor before this, you were at Walmart, is that correct?
1: I was an investor before this. Oh, okay. Um, Where were you? I worked for Andy Nunn, who's the founder of Bonobos.
0: Ah, got it. And you were doing investments for him?
1: Yes. Ah,
0: so he had some sort of deal flow and he made money from Bonobos? Yes. And he wanted to put it to work, so that's where you got your start- he was I mean, on a, episode one two two for those of you playing along at home, and we should we should rip some clips from that because what was that? What year was that? Twenty eleven? Oh my god, eight years ago he was on the pod. Wow! So you're working with him, uh, learning how to do VC. Then you decided to do this fund. I guess he was your anchor LP. I would guess. No, he wasn't. No, no. We just went out and we're like, hey.
1: I was just like, I'm going to do this.
0: You're just going to do it, okay? Yeah. When you put, I am now the vice. Ventures general partner on your LinkedIn, you must get flooded with emails. Uh, anybody who's writing checks for a living gets pretty popular. What kind of companies are emailing you?
1: I saw a sex doll company, which is very funny. Sex doll? Sex doll. Self lubricating, yeah. has human hair, is programmed to talk.
0: Okay. This is super disturbing, these dolls. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to be judgmental, but this whole incel movement has got me rocked. Yeah. Like, there's like literally a group of men and they believe that they are being persecuted by women and not being allowed to have sex interesting you know about the incel movement these are the no. people who like drive through crowds in cars and shoot places up it's like part of this whole reddit thing and uh yeah they uh they they don't know how to talk to women apparently and ask them on a date so they assume all women want them to suffer and they are involuntarily celibate. But anyway, you got a sex toy or sex doll, which is, I guess, a sex toy. Was that something you would invest in? No. Is that a technology? No.
1: I mean, they're growing it in Japan. Got it. Which is kind of where the market for this is, is in Japan. Yeah. But I just don't think it's necessarily a venture-backable business. Like, where's the exit for something like this?
0: Yeah, they would have to be incredibly... They'd have to be incredibly profitable and be able to IPO, or mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Are any of the pornography businesses, They none of them have ever been venture-backed, but have they ever been private equity or backed by other individuals? how How is porn backed, and how do you think about adult entertainment as such?
1: So some virtual reality porn is backed by investors. Really? Yeah.
0: Venture firms, or? Not
1: firms, but individual people.
0: You think that has potential, virtual reality sex as an um, investment? Sure I mean,
1: I wouldn't write it off completely. Yeah. Just because like someone come up with come up with an idea that's so brilliant that it would just work out. Right. Um, but as it is right now, I don't think it's necessarily the most venture backable business.
0: Yeah, again, you have the exit problem. Yep. So in cannabis, there's an obvious exit, which is The Canadian stock market is getting (laughs) filled with cannabis companies, apparently. Yep. So that's easy. Have you invested in any cannabis companies yet? And and how do you figure out if a cannabis company is um, legit or run by stoners who will never do any work or legit and run by stoners who want to make a lot of money?
1: Yeah, so we invested in one cannabis company called Indos. Indos, Indos, which is a vaporizer that actually measures vapor in terms of milligrams. Ah, so it allows for precise dosing. You can see exactly how much you're inhaling. Wow, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's super, The founders out of this world incredible. See, that's too. what I
0: thought. Jules should have had. Jules should have had something that said, "This is how much nicotine you're getting." Yep. And you should, when you buy it. It should be allowed in a twenty-four hour period to give you a certain amount of nicotine and then stop if you've opted into that, right? Yeah. And it should track it in an app or track track it on the device. And then just you could sort of like the screen time, you could ignore it if you wanted to, but at least you could set a limit. But people are just dragging on those jewels really hard and they have no idea. And then the same with cannabis, like yep. if you hit one of those vape pens, who knows what you're gonna what's gonna happen to you, right? And just by if one person has big lungs and takes a huge drag versus somebody has small lungs and takes a short drag, is that a massive difference? I would think so, right?
1: I would, I would assume so.
0: Yeah, I would assume so. Well, that's interesting. Is that product in market yet?
1: Um, I've spoken to two companies, actually, that are doing something similar to that.
0: Oh, with the with the recording. Your, your one, Indos.
1: Indos. So Indos, but for nicotine specifically, oh, for nicotine. I spoke to one.
0: But in cannabis, is that in market yet, the Indos? Yeah,
1: so it's available in California for sale. Really? Yeah, mostly in Los Angeles, though. So.
0: Oh, at the Medmen location? <laughs> Medmen?
1: I don't think that they're in Medmen. No. But... but
0: you're kind of rolling your eyes at Medmen. Is that. <laughs> do people in the cannabis industry like hold them in disdain or something? Why? Uh, What's the uh, reaction?
1: Medmen, I don't know. It's a very um, peculiar place. Really? Yeah, I would say so. Peculiar. Just huh. because they're not known to, um, to treat their suppliers in the best way possible. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Ah, so they don't pay them on time or they... They don't
1: pay them on time. They negotiate terms constantly.
0: Oh, so they're kind of like Walmart in that way where they're just...
1: <laughs> no, totally. They're like, t-
0: totally brutal to their supplier.
1: Yeah, I would say that's a completely fair.
0: Yeah. I mean, Apple was known for that too. I mean, if you get anointed by Apple to be in their store, it's incredible for your brand. But my understanding, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard this multiple times, So, and it, but it might be old information, that they kind of tell you what percentage you're going to get of the sale. Which makes
1: total sense. You have all the leverage.
0: You have all the leverage. But it's also kind of a little bit heavy-handed. You're like, would you like to be the one anointed battery pack or iPad case? That's not our iPad case. We're taking 77%. You're getting this percent. Walmart does that too, I think. Yes. They tell you what your margin is.
1: Walmart is brutal to suppliers.
0: Really? No, wait. You work there? or
1: I did work there. I don't know that if I'm working there, though. I no, just know the No, that no, no. From... You, yeah.
0: you signed a non-disclosure, but from what you've read in the press, <laughs> that is the case. Um, so wait, you grew up in the uh, West Village?
1: I grew well, in the West Village. F- you're uh, from Brooklyn. I'm from. Br- no, I live in Brooklyn now.
0: You live in Brooklyn now. Yeah, but you grew up in the West Village
1: until I was about fourteen.
0: You left Manhattan for Brooklyn.
1: Yep. No, I left Manhattan for Westchester, which is even worse.
0: So weird to me. Like I grew up in Brooklyn and. Our goal was to get to Manhattan, and now all these people get to are born in Manhattan, and they're just like, I can get the hell out of here. Manhattan's fabulously boring, isn't it?
1: Brooklyn is the best.
0: It is the. I was trying to tell people that they told me it's wrong, so I was like, All right, I'll go to Manhattan now. Apparently, Brooklyn is the best.
1: Now you're right all along.
0: I was right all along. Yeah, it actually got kind of cool. Like all the cool restaurants came, and artists and everything came yeah. to Brooklyn now. Um, so you've invested in that one company that does the the dosage. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely exits there to be had, totally um, anything in I saw psychedelics here yep i I almost invested in a psilocybin synthetic psilocybin company that Peter Thiel invested in out of Europe, yep, where it's legal, I guess in certain countries, and their idea was to give you a synthetic psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms the active ingredient in magic mushrooms and give it in a heroic dose in an IV under a doctor's supervision or a counselor's supervision for PTSD. Yep. Um, What is your thinking on psychedelics and have you started your research there and have you made an investment there?
1: Yeah. So we're very bullish on psychedelics on the market. Okay. Despite right now kind of if you look at psychedelics, nothing that makes a company attractive – is making psychedelics attractive. So they can't scale.
0: Can't scale, no.
1: They can't scale. They can't necessarily have a product that exists because you have to pass all of these clinical trials. Right. Which also makes me really scary because I'm not a doctor, so I can't necessarily say, like, what's medicine, what isn't medicine. Right. Yeah. Um, so that being said, besides those things, we're very bullish on psychedelics.
0: Didn't Oakland just pass something to decriminalize? Yes. Grown? Which I don't understand, like, if you've, ayahuasca and psilocybin are okay because they're grown, they're plants. Yep. But then lysergic whatever, LSD or cocaine wouldn't be because it's a, they're chemically produced.
1: It's bananas.
0: It, but that is the- That's the law. That is the law. I got it right. Yeah. I've only read like one or two articles on this, but so what's your thinking about the impact of that? And what's our horizon? Because it looks like cannabis, we had a national referendum in Canada- we're at whatever 30 states here or something yep. so we'll have a national referendum in trump's second term or kamala harris's first for sure yeah because she's definitely down based yeah. on what i've seen i think if we get that other one what's her name Elizabeth Warren. she's not down <laughs> no she's like a soccer mom she's gonna she will be give you a lecture if you smoke a doobie even if it's legal yeah i was thinking about the other one the crystal lady who's the crazy crystal lady Marion williams
1: crazy crystal lady Running
0: for president, you don't know. Still, I, I don't know. She's not. I don't I know. I think Chris she didn't Lee. make it to the top five. But, um, so can you make an investment in that space? And have you started meeting with
1: folks yet? Or did yeah, you... so we've met with a few folks. Okay, what is um, their
0: thesis of how it becomes a venture-backed business?
1: Um, their thesis is that it gets bought by Johnson and Johnson. Hmm. Um, or it gets bought by. Interesting. A company like that, yeah, which I think could definitely happen.
0: But they're not trademarkable or protectable, right? Like mushrooms grow in the wild. Yep. Ayahuasca grows in the wild. So, but then again, I guess beer isn't protectable either, or soda is yep. not. And those became big businesses. So, what do you think happened? Johnson Johnson winds up having like psilocybin pills for people dealing with anti depression or PTSD eventually. Is yeah, that what those I founders think,
1: think? That's what they think will happen. Huh. Which I can't say that they're wrong. Like, I don't know enough to kind of, like, make a statement on that way.
0: Marianne Williamson. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. The good vibes crystal lady. <laughs> She's pretty awesome, actually. I like her.
1: I need to do some research on her now.
0: She believes in crystals and love will beat Trump, I think. Got it. And she also... Good heart. ...believed that you could pray away AIDS, which is super weird. <laughs> That may not be true for folks listening. I don't, I don't know that you can't pray away the AIDS, but I, I definitely don't think there's any proof of that. Yes. Okay. So you've been meeting with the psychedelic folks. you made an investment in cannabis. When we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk about my favorite area. Gambling, wagering, betting, having some skin in the game, rolling the dice, right? Let's talk about gambling. Let's play some bets when we get back on This Week in Startups. Hiring is not as easy as just putting an ad on some message board somewhere and hoping for the best. No, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it right in 2019. No, you want to use LinkedIn. If you're growing your business, you need to reach the right candidates at the right time. And 600 million members visit LinkedIn to make those connections and learn and grow as professionals. You know that. They also go there. Sometimes they want to discover new job opportunities. In fact, a new hire is made every eight seconds on LinkedIn. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Somebody just got hired on LinkedIn. That's right. And here is my CMO, Presh, who we just upgraded to an associate. He's in the game. And here he is posting a job for us, a customer success person, manager in Toronto. Here's the job function, a little business development, a little customer service. He takes our uh, nice little job description, pops it in there. Look at that WYSIWYG editor. It looks great. Does a preview of the job, and he's ready to go. But that's not all he's going to do here. He's going to pick that he wants them to have customer service experience for two years, and he's going to post that job, and it's going to show that job to the right people at the right time. He did that in seconds, and here's the good news. I'm going to give you $50 right now, a 50, a 5 from your boy, J. Cal. Go to LinkedIn.com slash twist, LinkedIn.com slash twist, and get that 50 right now. Terms and conditions, of course, apply because it's 50 bucks. So go ahead and get it, LinkedIn.com slash twist. And thank you to LinkedIn for supporting the show. I do appreciate it. Let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, trigger warning, hashtag trigger warning if you are offended by sex toys psilocybin, psychedelics, nicotine, cannabis, alcohol, gambling, it's not the episode for you. But if you're a human being on planet Earth who is not in denial, um, these things are part of life. People have sex, they smoke weed, they drink, sometimes they even gamble. Have you started looking at gambling companies and what do you think the opportunity in gambling is?
1: Yes, so actually made an investment in a skill-based betting company.
0: Okay, explain what skill-based is, betting, wagering, versus
1: gambling. Yeah, so gambling is like you don't really know the odds, or you do know the odds, but you have no way to control the odds, and you know skill that's going into playing. Got it. Um, skill-based betting is you basically you can practice. You know exactly how good you are. You know exactly how good your opponent is, and you're making an educated bet to make a, a wager against them.
0: So if you and I play chess— That is a game of chance or skill. Skill. Because they have a rating. And if you've been playing for a year, you're going to beat people who've been playing for a month. And if you've been playing for 10 years, you're going to beat the people who've been playing for a year in all likelihood. Yep. You can improve your skill. Exactly. Now, if we're playing roulette, game of skill or game of chance? Chance. Because no matter how much I practice roulette, no matter how much training I have, no matter how much effort I put into my 10,000 hours of roulette, There's no way for me to get an edge on you. What about blackjack? Because some people count cards. Some people know the math better than other people. Skill or chance or both?
1: I would say both, but more chance.
0: More chance than skill. So 70% chance, 30% skill or something. Where do you think poker falls? Because we had our Black Friday in America. I think it was Black Friday they called it. When they banned poker, which I would consider a game of skill with some chance yeah, what do you think about poker? Should it be legal? I think poker should be legal you think it's gonna it should be yeah, and they're slowly making online poker illegal, but they had that Black Friday when they banned it.
1: yep is it a game of skill chance I think it's more of a game of skill than it is of chance, but I think there's elements of chance involved
0: right because even if you and I get it in eighty twenty, you've got aces, I've got two seven, I could still hit two sevens, and beat you. Yep. Still a 20% chance that could happen or something. Yep. Interesting. You play poker? No. Okay. That would be a good one for you to... I need so you to pick it up. You should pick it up. Players Lounge is, one of, is a company you invested in? Yes. What do they do?
1: So it's a, a skill-based betting platform for esports. Ah. So you can go on and play FIFA and win money.
0: Versus another person.
1: Versus another person with a similar skill set.
0: Uh, does FIFA the... The, do the game manufacturers need to approve that use of their game or no? No. You're just matching people together and then you watch the game and figure out who won somehow?
1: Yep. And then it's all self-reported. Um, they self-report. Yeah. What if
0: there's a dispute?
1: Then a player's lounge handles it.
0: Got it. Does that happen a lot or just people-
1: Very, very rarely.
0: Very rarely. And then what does player's lounge get? 5% of all the wagering? They get a VIG or something? Yeah. What is it? 10 10%? 10%. 10%. So you and I could bet- 10 bucks on a game. I win, I get $9. You win, you get $9. The house gets a dollar or something. Yep. Or 10% of the 20. 10% of the 20. Oh, okay. So I get $8 yep. netted back to me. So that's a big vig. How is that company doing?
1: They're doing super well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where are they based? How many They're people? They're based
1: in Brooklyn, New York. Oh. Um the team is about 10 people right now. Huh. They're doing very well.
0: Um and then how do you see the the fantasy sports sites got kind of rocked. Is that a game of skill? feels like skill, picking the players that will perform well, or is it not?
1: That's a hard one. I feel like that's more chance.
0: More chance. But aren't there people who perform much better than other people in it?
1: Yeah, but then you're chancing how well they'll play that night.
0: Okay. So I might pick better than you, but I could still lose because of chance. Yeah. How, how do we ever reconcile what percentage is chance versus skill in these kind of like poker, blackjack, and fantasy sports situations where it's not obvious like chess and eSports where uh-huh. 100% of the outcome is my work?
1: I think that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Unknown. Unknown.
0: Interesting. But it's all going to change, right? Isn't the the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL are all putting teams in Vegas and they all want to have in game, in stadium, in arena betting, that's all coming. Yep. And none of the VCs are investing in it because they have these vice clauses, and you just get to come in and slurp it all up.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Yeah.
0: Um, who are your LPs, uh, and how do they look at you? Are these traditional LPs who are like, "Oh, thank God somebody is doing this," or are they just CEOs and individuals? who want to be in it. you got family offices. You're not getting the Harvards and the Yales and the Dukes to do this kind of thing, I assume. No. So you're not getting the big endowments. No. You're not getting the retirement funds. Caliper's not in yet.
1: Nope.
0: But family offices...
1: Family offices are in, as are a lot of founders.
0: Founders like it. And people
1: who manage money love it.
0: Ah, money managers like it. Yeah.
1: Interesting. They get it immediately, and they're the ones that write the check the quickest.
0: Are there things that you won't fund... And how would you look at, I don't know, uh, funding – because you had harm reducing was your – Harm reduction. Harm reduction as a highlight. So if somebody were to make something in uh, cigarettes or alcohol, how do you – would you invest in a cigarette or alcohol company?
1: Um, I don't think we'd invest in a cigarette company just because that doesn't really seem to be the trend going forward. Yeah. It's combustible cigarettes. Yeah. Um, alcohol, we would definitely invest in an alcohol company just because there's exits every few years in spirits. So a
0: tequila company, no problem. Yeah. Who typically invests in tequila companies? It seems like everybody's got a tequila company.
1: VCs. Everybody's investing in tequila right now.
0: VCs are investing yeah. venture capital money in tequila? Yep. Just because George Clooney made a... Yeah, it's
1: crazy the amount of money that's going into tequila. I get sent decks for tequila at least once a week. Tequila's horrible. What, I what's... mean, I don't think there's going to be another huge exit after the George Clooney exit. So I don't really understand like why everybody is flocking towards tequila.
0: Makes no sense. I agree. Um, what does a tequila deck look like? Just a bunch <laughs> of people on
1: on a beach having fun, popping bottles. <laughs> it's
0: literally just people doing shots, and they're yeah. like, "That's," and they just put an arrow. That's our That's our tequila. That's our tequila in the shot glass. Look, these people are really drunk. (laughs) These people are drunk and they're paying $6 a shot for our tequila when they could literally just drink rubbing alcohol and it would taste as good.
1: Yep. What's the
0: churn like on tequila, I wonder?
1: Fantastic question.
0: It's a fantastic question. Yeah. Every time I've had tequila, I've churned. So thank you, thank you, thanks for the boys and the Ah. at least one landed today. Um, So I'm fascinated by the alcohol opportunity, but you haven't done one yet.
1: We've done bev. Oh, you did bev. Um, we did oh, it. what is Bev again? What do they do? They it's they, a canned wine. Canned wine. And so it's a direct to consumer canned wine business. I think I may have
0: had it. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm sure it's everywhere now. People
0: want to drink wine out of a can.
1: Hmm. How's it taste? It tastes delicious.
0: It's just you know, tastes like rosé. Just tastes like rosé.
1: Yeah. Um. So we did that. I did an SPV for a business that's called uh, Ten to One Rum.
0: Ten to One Rum. Yep. W- what's their angle?
1: So it was founded by one of the youngest executives at Starbucks. Okay. Um, who oversaw innovation at in M&A. Interesting. So he like really understood how to grow a beverage business.
0: Got it. What is the secret to growing a beverage business? Is it about marketing and celebrities? Is it about distribution? Is it about the bottle? Distribution, 100%. Distribution. Yeah, I would say. And in this context, what? I- how does that work? Is that like getting a bunch of people to go to bars and convince bar owners one by one to stock it?
1: So that's definitely part of it is having like a off-premise or on-premise sales team Got it. who goes around and makes sure that your product is in bars. Um, but then also part of it is just making sure that you're getting the best distribution when it comes to traditional distribution.
0: Interesting. So people have to see it. Yeah. Do people make decisions on these drinks based upon the taste of them or on the image of them?
1: Like whether to carry them?
0: Well, I'm thinking more of the consumers, but also to carry them.
1: Yeah. I think combination. Yeah. I think if something looks looks beautiful, but like absolutely terrible, then you're not carrying it. Yeah. But if something tastes good, but it looks horrible, then you're probably not going to carry it either. Yeah. So I think it has to hit a happy medium.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. There's this one tequila that comes in a big porcelain bottle. It's giant. All right. And I see everybody orders a bottle of that now. I don't know the name of it.
1: Is it white?
0: It's white and blue. Yeah, I know. It's you're like turquoise about. and white. It looks like it's like almost like the g- colors of the Greek flag. But yeah, I see people drinking directly from that on Instagram. Yep. What about uh, sex? Have you invested in so far? Uh, sex tech? Have you met with a lot of companies? I'm curious.
1: Met with a ton of sex tech companies.
0: Tell us about those. When we get back, because that's what everybody's waiting for anyway. On the <laughs> starters. I can't wait to tell you about my favorite new gadget of the moment. It's called Eight Sleep, and it's a bed. It's a mattress, and it's a smart mattress, and it is life-changing. I've got three of my friends who've now ordered this product because I told them, and they all love it, and now they're telling their friends to get it, and I'm going to order a second one for my house. Here's how it works. You get eight sleep, they install it for you, and then you take out your smartphone and you connect to your bed. Yeah, you're like, wait, what do you do? Why would you connect to your bed? You set a dial and you can set the sides at different temperatures. I like it nice and cold because I sweat at night. I'm a guy. I need to cool down. I run hot. My wife wants it hot. She wants the bed hot. She wants it warm. And I'm sweating. And you know what we used to do? We used to get to the thermostat wars. You ever have that happen in your household? Well, no more. Now you can set the temperature on either side of the bed. And when you wake up, you can study your sleep data because the bed is recording, your tossing and turning, what time you went to bed, all the different stages of sleep, and you can optimize. Listen, companies spend millions on tools to make their employees more effective and to make their companies more effective. Well, the ultimate hack is for you to make your sleep better. And that's what 8Sleep does. I love this bed. I kid you not, I will never ever in my life sleep on a bed that is not an eight sleep bed i mean maybe when i'm on the road i'm in a hotel of course but i'm never ever not going to have this product i love it and i love waking up to the thermal alarm it's like the tesla or the iphone or the peloton it is just best of breed in its class and i can't shut up about it as you can hear Uh, so go ahead and supercharge your health and productivity like i am doing and get the sleep you need and deserve by heading to eightsleep.com/ slash twist. That's right, 8 slash twist, E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E-P.com. And you can try the uh, product risk-free for 100 days. You've got nothing to lose. If you don't like it, you can kick it out, but you won't. Thanks again, 8 Sleep. Really, not just for supporting the podcast, but for making a product that is truly great. I'm so impressed. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, listen, everybody wants me to talk and hit the incel thing one more time. If you play video games all the time and you don't know how to talk to, and this is specifically a specific gender dynamic, young men who don't leave their apartments and play video games all the time and don't bathe and don't know how to have a conversation with a woman, here's a tip. Be normal. Ask somebody, hey, I think you're attractive and a really cool person. I was wondering if it's not too forward, if I could get a cup of coffee with you, or maybe we could go see a movie. I'm not sure what you're into, but I think you're kind of special, and I'd like to get to know you. Just
1: effing clip that.
0: That's called being normal. Yeah. Did that seem
1: normal? Very normal.
0: And if somebody were to say that script to you, uh, if you were into boys or girls or whatever, like, and in a normal way who you met, even if you met them in a cafe, would you be... Super offended or not offended? Not offended. So uh, trigger warning for anybody who is offended by the birds and the bees, but let's get into it. Here we are uh, coming around third base, so to speak, in the third chapter of our um, podcast here. Uh, what um, What is the problem, as you perceive it, with, sex and tech because we had I think all the sex toys got banned and they rescinded an award from somebody who made a vibrator or something at CES I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw that story it's ridiculous then they wound up reinstating it what is it about sex tech that's so triggering for folks and what's the most interesting companies you've seen and have you invested in any
1: I think it's just really stigmatizing for people yeah and people are uncomfortable about it and don't know how to talk about it and huh. if you can't even talk about it and an invention that came out Yeah. then you're not going to be able to talk about it with your investment team to make an investment.
0: Right, because you have to actually have a conversation Yeah. which is uncomfortable for people. Totally. And therefore, in a business on a Monday morning meeting, you have to say, listen, we're having a Monday morning meeting. A company's coming in with a vibrator, a smart vibrator, let's say. This might be uncomfortable for some people. But if you come work at Vice Ventures, you have to sign some sort of a waiver or (laughs) some sort of agreement like... I will not sue you if you, if I read a deck about, a sex toy. Yeah, I guess. Do you have employees yet or a team? No, it's just me. Just you for now. Okay. Uh, so, what's the most interesting thing you've seen? Have you invested in anything yet?
1: I love this company called Mod. M O D. M A U D E.
0: M A U D E. Mod. You and, haven't invested yet, but you like it. Yeah,
1: but probably will be investing. Probably in it. will be. Okay. Um, it's mod. Mod. So it's gender neutral, um, kind of basics.
0: Gender neutral
1: basics. For having sex. For having sex. So it's vibrators, condoms, lubricants, God. candle. They are super smart because they get around um, advertising. Because a lot of sex companies are prohibited from advertising, which is why it's difficult for them to grow. Ah, but, by Facebook and Google? By Facebook and Google specifically. Google doesn't allow it? Google has porn. Google is an index of porn links. They literally are having so, so many issues advertising. A lot but of you companies. can't. You advertise. Can't. Google er, can index
0: all the world's porn, but you Google. can't advertise porn on Google. No,
1: Google also has their own Alphabet, uh, part of Alphabet. They have their own campus for porn. They
0: have a campus. Yep. For indexing porn. Yep. Properly. Mm-hmm. So they can make sure that when you type in your specific porn search, you get the right results. Yep. But people have to opt into being in that building so they don't <laughs> yeah. get offended. Yeah. So Maud has, and I know that Instagram doesn't even allow nipples because there's this whole movement "Free the Nipple" on Instagram. I don't know if you yep, know about that. Of course. So men can show their nipples, women can't. And then a bunch of transgender people were like, "Here are my nipples. You figure it out. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead, Sp- Go ahead, Instagram. You tell me." So literally, think about this: a biologically born male, or I guess I can't even say that now. Somebody who was born with an X and Y, how do you say it without offending people? I want to make sure I get this right. Anyway, somebody who transitioned from a male to a female, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Um, Somebody transitioned from a male to a female who shows their nipples on Instagram is going to be censored or not. But a woman is 100% censored for showing a nipple. And men are 100% not censored.
1: The world is bizarre.
0: The world is weird.
1: Yeah.
0: Super weird. So how does Maud get around all this?
1: Maud has a candle, a massage candle. Ah. That they advertise. So genius. It's so genius. So the massage candle basically attracts tons of people.
0: Like moths to the light, so to speak. Yeah,
1: exactly. Literally. Yeah,
0: like quite literally. Yeah. And then they can see other offerings. Yep. And as long as you're two clicks away, Google or Facebook would be good. Yep. So massage oil or massage candle or massage CD or something like that is okay. But everything else, ixnay on that.
1: Yes. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Uh, hey, oh, are guns considered vice or weapons considered no. vice?
1: No. So basically at Vice Ventures, we have a thesis that says that we will not invest in anything whose, uh, whose point of the object is to harm somebody else. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Right. If I'm
0: smoking weed or doing nicotine or gambling, that's not harming anybody else. Yep. It might harm me theoretically if I do too much of it. Yep. And I'm not managing or alcohol for that matter. Uh, I got it. So no guns.
1: We don't. We don't see violence as part of being vice. Violence
0: would not be a vice. And in a way, I guess everybody, depending on who you are, you could, um debate even if any of these things are vice or just things that could be vice if you take them too far like there's a certain amount of yep moderation um how did you you hack your way into vc to begin with i'm curious (laughs) you said you hacked your way in yeah how'd you do that
1: i just decided that i was going to do it so i started sending emails out i was raising a fund
0: all right You and Arlen, it's like literally everybody complains about like, you know, how difficult it is to do all this. And I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. But you literally just decided unilaterally you were going to be a VC and started emailing people. And the idea was so good people couldn't deny you. Mm-hmm. And your track record having worked at Walmart or for the Bonobos guy, Andy Dunn, those two things, I guess, made you credible in some way. So a little bit of credibility from your – resume or linkedin combined with a great idea equals funding equals new fund
1: equals new fund that's it yep
0: were you shocked that you were able to pull this off
1: <laughs> um no because i really believed in the thesis yeah and i thought it was really strong so i kind of thought that the thesis itself was was so strong yeah
0: and i think an Ar- you know Arlen hamilton she's mm-hmm. been on the pod a bunch of times like i think her thesis was also very strong and she was able to pull off uh A fund. It's like black women are not getting invested in. There's a whole group of people who are not even getting into the room where it happens. They're not getting meetings. Yeah. That would make... That would be a great under-service demographic. Like entrepreneurs who are being ignored. You could just sweep in there and not have any competition for them because they're being ignored. Yeah. Both cases. Hmm. So... Where do you think this goes from here? Are you going to hire people? And what's the qualification to work at a vice, uh, advice ventures? Because I feel like, based on my gambling, I might need to apply. I'm a degenerate <laughs> gambler. I think that's why I'm an investor. It's just like it's like the greatest manifestation of gambling, ever. <laughs> yeah. Unlimited upside mm-hmm. and known downside. Yeah. Like in our business, you make a 100k investment, you know what you're going to lose. Yep. 100k. What are you going to win? I don't know. 10x. Fifty, a yeah. hundred, a 1, thousand, five thousand. I mean it's all possible. It's bizarre how um asymmetrical it is. Yeah. It's very weird. It is very weird. So you're gonna hire and build a team now? You got the twenty five mil?
1: Yep. I'm looking to hire a partner. Oh really? Yeah.
0: Like a general partner? Like somebody like, to be your partner.
1: Yeah, like a general partner. Um huh. but that off of that type of hiring position is very sensitive one to go about. And it's it's a very it's hard. It's a really hard to hire.
0: Yeah, that might be a mistake for you. Why? Because it's so hard, and if you get somebody, they're going to be super entitled, and then they may want your job.
1: That would be horrible.
0: Well, the problem is, like, if you – the alternative is for you to develop your own team and your own bench and develop talent. So in a small fund, a solo GP with a couple of managing directors or a couple of associates, and you build up your own talent pool – and then they become eventually partners. That's the, that's the other possibility. Yeah. So you can still be the person in charge and not have to worry about every one of your ideas being slowed down by having to have buy-in from your partner. That's kind of the advantage of a small fund like mine. I have the same thing, small fund. I can just unilaterally make the decisions without yeah. a partner meeting. Nice. I think it's a possibility for you. Yeah. But you moved to Westchester from Brooklyn? No. you were in Brooklyn now. I'm in Brooklyn. There's a lot of people in Brooklyn who want this job. For sure.
1: I get hit up constantly about if I'm hiring.
0: Yeah. I'm about to launch a website, Mm gettheseat.com. That is – my thesis is being an investor is the greatest job in the world or amongst them. Power, money, joy from seeing founders succeed and excitement and purpose. It's like like everything. Yeah. It's the greatest – thing in the world, like as far as I'm concerned. like The only better job is being the founder, but that comes with massive stress and anxiety. So I'm going to just set up the website, gettheseat.com, for an associate and for a managing director for our firm. And it might be up. If you're listening to this, you can apply. But I need people who want to work like 50, 60 hours a week, like match my effort. What do you work? Are you a millennial? How old are you?
1: 27.
0: You're 27. You have a $25 million fund. I just want to say to all you 30-somethings or people complaining, she's 27. She's got a $25 million fund. Well, that's incredible. I See, I was worried about your generation. And then I hire people and they're like, well, you know, I have people who want to come work for me. I'm like, what have you done? And I'm like, wow, I haven't done much, have you? And I'm like, by your age, I had two magazines. By your age, I had two magazines. But I didn't have a $25 million fund. Wow. Where'd you go to school?
1: NYU. You went to NYU? hmm
0: Oh, that's nice. I went to Fordham nice. at Lincoln Center. Uh, what'd you major in?
1: Neuroscience and finance.
0: Neuroscience and finance. So you really understand the brain chemistry of gambling.
1: I mean, I understand as much as I can. I am no expert.
0: There's a group of people. This is the most fascinating thing to me about gambling. There's a group of people who like to lose money gambling. Think about that. Wow. Think about the chemical emotional framework of people who get a rush from losing their net worth or having the risk of ruin in play gambling you know what the risk of ruin is Mm -mm. so in gambling the risk of ruin is um let's say you had a million dollar net worth if you go to the poker table and you buy in for five thousand dollars there's no risk of ruin And if you did it 10 times, you still don't have the risk of ruin. You still have 95% of your net worth is not on the table. There are people I know who had to have their entire net worth or some significant portion of it on the poker table in order to feel alive. Wow. Wow. So if they blow out, they have to stare at the ceiling and know that they've lost everything, there's no more money and they have to go build up their stack again. These are the true gamblers, the ones who just cannot feel alive unless everything is at risk, the risk of ruin. And I did the opposite in my gambling career. I always just played with less than 1%, well less than 1% of my net worth, never having to even think about it, rounding error, still this is this is a really well-known phenomenon. Yeah. They've made movies about it. You think there's going to be a national referendum for gambling in this country? How do you think that's going to play out?
1: I mean, this, I hope there is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you following this stuff yet or?
1: Um, I follow some of it. I yeah. follow it mostly for sports betting. Yeah. Just I've just seen so many sports betting companies. How how is that
0: working now? You can place a bet on sports legally from Any – from what states and how does it work now? So
1: it's state legislated by the state.
0: Got it. So in New Jersey, Nevada.
1: New Jersey is the epicenter of it.
0: I heard that. Why is that? They just needed the money? Were they just progressive?
1: Uh, They probably needed the cash.
0: Yeah, it was a cash grab. I'm sure. So if you live in New Jersey, you can take out your phone and gamble Mm -hmm. and bet on a sports game. Mm -hmm. Or Nevada, you can do that. But in California, you cannot. No. But if you had a phone with a VPN on it that said (laughs) you were in New Jersey or Nevada, I wonder if you could.
1: I have no idea how strict the geolocators are.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. There's a sports book walking distance from Giant Stadium, I was just told, in uh, New Jersey. That's crazy. I think like this is why I think we have to really think through angel investing in the framework of sports betting. We are very careful with our syndicate to make sure we have accredited investors, and we explain to people the risks, even for high net worth individuals for investing in startups, try to explain to them you have to have 30, 40 investments in order to have enough diversity to have an outlier, yada, yada. And then people can walk up to the sports book and put their entire life savings on a game, no questions asked.
1: Wow. Isn't that bizarre? That's crazy.
0: Yeah. How many companies have you invested in so far from this fund? Four. Four. And what's your pace going to be like? And what, what's your typical check size?
1: Check size is anywhere from 100K to 500K.
0: And if people want to pitch you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Catherine at viceventures.com.
0: Catherine, which is spelled C-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E, which is not the correct spelling of Catherine. <laughs> uh, or is it? I don't think it is. No,
1: it definitely is not.
0: What's the story? You, you changed your name?
1: My mother spelled my name wrong my birth certificate
0: in fairness she had just had you (laughs) she might have i mean (laughs) having been through this yeah uh mom could have been we could maybe forgive mom for the misspelling you never thought to change it though because it's kind of charming i kind of like it yeah it's charming that you have the misspelling
1: yeah it also helps me see people's attention to detail when they send me emails
0: oh everything's a test isn't it
1: everything is a test
0: i'm fascinated by you katherine <laughs> what did your parents do
1: my dad was a bartender and my mom my dad
0: was a bartender
1: no way yeah no and way and nick's grandpa and um, my mom was a flight attendant
0: my mom was a nurse so you grew up blue collar yep mom was away all the time mm-hmm. dad was at the bar at 4 a.m yep in manhattan yep you were a latchkey kid would you go to Stiverson?
1: Uh, I, I went to school in Westchester.
0: Oh, in Westchester, right, where the Knicks are. Mm-hmm. Do you have any Knicks in your class? Did not. Oh, okay. Because the Knicks are all up there, right? For <laughs> <where> the practice <laughs> facility. All the Knicks have a, were living up there, at least yeah. in the 90s. Uh, so your dad was a bartender. Mom is a flight attendant. You're a venture capitalist. There it is, folks. The American dream is still alive. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a bartender. I eventually owned a bar. And... uh here we are, two venture capitalists. Love it. I love it. Catherine Dockery, uh, I wish you great success with Vice Ventures. Everybody can follow Vice Ventures right now, vice underscore ventures, uh, and Catherine at viceventures.com. Nicely done. Thank Creative you. idea. And uh, share your deal flow, okay? Let me know when you're going in on something. Let's stay friends. Let's, let's be friends. How let's about that? Let's be friends. Let's Look be friends. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the, the podcast is a great front for making friends. You just have people on your podcast, and now you have friends. You should do a podcast.
1: I should do a podcast.
0: You should do a podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd be a great podcaster because you're a woman of few words. <laughs> you're, like, pretty tight in your answers. So that's good, actually, when you're doing the questions. Yeah. You can just ask very succinct questions. But this would be great. If you actually did a podcast, you could interview people in the Vice business. People want to hear from the people doing that stuff. It's like a huge white sp- Like, it's a huge- but I should uh, do a podcast. It's a white space. Like- blue ocean yeah nobody's covering those companies I would love to hear these gambling companies or sex companies or psilocybin cannabis yeah nicotine companies explain themselves this week advice you have my permission you can use this week advice all right we'll see you all next time on this week startups. bye bye